the gospel. To be faithful to the call of the gospel in Jesus' word. And how that may be a challenge for us. We're so used to comfort. I mean, we were going to and from a family gathering, and man, uh, I've never been so happy to have a minivan with heated seats. Amen. <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't know what I was missing until we bought that thing nine years ago. Uh, at this point, I think it's been nine years. He's 16 to 24, whatever that is. Yeah, we bought it January 2016, eight years, I guess. Uh, you know, never knew what I was getting. Man, it was kind of nice. Comfort. Yet the reality is that the overwhelming majority of the people of God don't live anywhere near our comfort. And what we have to try to do is, is to hear what the gospel has to say even today. You know, as we read these words, and I try to provide us some maybe insight on these words of the, the Gospel of Mark 1. He said, after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the Gospel of God, the good news of God, saying, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the Gospel. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you out, send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The call of the gospel. Mark is trying to help us understand and to hear who Jesus is. He says he is God. He is the Son of God. He is the hope that the nation of Israel would have. But he wants us to hear it. So I just want to ask, how well do you listen? You know, Pastor Paul may be our resident expert on assisted hearing, but I didn't ask you how well do you hear. That can be a physical, biological thing. I had a cousin who was uh, born premature, premature and has issues with hearing. And she's chosen not to get uh, a with her infant. I have cousins on the other side of the family that uh, had hearing issues since birth and they have gotten those. But I'm not talking whether or not you need a hearing aid or a cochlear implant. Because it's amazing, even those who may physically not be able to hear, sometimes they listen really, really well. How well do you listen? Listening is hard work. Have you ever had to sit and listen to people for hours on end? Some of you are like, please, never. It's hard work. It isn't for the faint of heart. It's actually, if we truly were to listen, it is a courageous act. 
cultural to our world that wants to be heard but does not want to listen. And many of times in our life, not only we may hear somebody, but we are hearing in order to respond instead of listening in order to understand. In my annual reports, during my lengthy remarks, you would hope I could finally one year cut those down. I've never mastered that yet. Uh, you can pray for that, and maybe by next year I'll get there. Um, I talk about humbly listening to our world, to hear the needs that they have. Sometimes we think that we know what someone needs, and we very well may, but in trying to meet a need that we think they have, we actually stop the process of them hearing and listening to us. Or sometimes we have to listen to what their needs are. Jesus is coming onto the scene here, and, and, and I, uh, I, I would submit to you that he, he being God, he had heard what the cries of his world was, and he was listening, and he was about ready to do something about it. Jesus humbled himself, Paul says in, in Philippians, even to the obedience of death. We too must humble ourselves and listen. We must listen to what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is saying. He says the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. And what is interesting is there's a good idea that Mark is trying to remind the early church and us Jesus was doing something new. He said after John was apprehended, after John was betrayed and handed over, Jesus starts. Now we know in the other Gospels there was probably a little bit of an overlap, but Mark is wanting to say that Jesus, when Jesus starts something, it's new. Nothing against John the Baptist. It wasn't that way. In fact, there seems to be this very subtle, and Mark is full of subtleties, full of things that seem semi-hidden, unless we have ears to hear and eyes to see. In my translation, the NIV, and I think it's probably similar to others, it says, after John was put into prison. Really what Mark says here is, after John was betrayed and handed up. And Mark is going to say, see, there's coming. If, if, if you will uh, submit to the fact that, that John the Baptist was the uh, one preparing the way, and he was the forerunner for Jesus, what happened to John is going to happen to Jesus. Jesus, too, will be betrayed and handed over. But there's also this sense of God's sovereignty within us. It was as if God was, and he was, using the events of human history to further his plan, his kingdom, and his will. Do you ever wonder what God is up to? Do you ever wonder what is going on? I do. Many weeks. And I can just look at these verses here and go, that Jesus always has a plan and that he will further his kingdom in his time and in his way. He is, as we would like to say, sovereign. He is doing a new thing. And the question of the early church, the question of the gospel, 
principles is the same question for you and I. Will we allow Jesus to do something new, or do we think we have to have him do what has always been done, the way it has been done, and, and receive it that way? And in these early chapters, we're going to see where sometimes the, it, that Jesus is doing something different that people go, I can't go with. I wanted it this way or that. But Jesus is here. And he says God's kingdom is here but also coming. I, I believe in what is known and in some circles as the already not yet aspect of the kingdom. I believe it's biblical. That's why I hold to it. I, I know there's debate, uh, you know. Uh, but, but it's this idea that when Jesus said the kingdom of God is here, he's preaching a message of repentance. He says that the reign of God takes place right now. There is an aspect of it that it is true right this moment. But there's an aspect of that that is futuristic to come. He says, the, God, the kingdom of God is here. There is something about what Jesus is doing that is not only new, but it is, uh, it is apocalyptic to some extent, to use that word and all that is loaded with it. And it is also a comfort to the early church. There is something about it that is right now, here. And if God's kingdom has come, then it should be no surprise that the next thing that here the king, Jesus, does is go and announce, I am the rightful heir of this world. Now, we read it here, and I will tell you, Jesus' call demands a response. You know, can you imagine with me? And think back to history. We don't have much kingdoms and monarchies and and such anymore, and that may be for the better. But can you imagine a new king coming on scene, or even uh, Caesar coming on the scene and say, hey, I'm the emperor of the world. Uh, you know, it would probably be a good idea if you tried to follow me. No. No king in history, no world, world leader in history has ever said, hey, it might be a good idea. Why don't you consider this for a little while and let me know later? Whose side you're on. That's the point that Mark is making here. When Jesus issues a call, he says, look, Mark is as if he's Mark is saying this, look, Jesus is the new king in town. Whose side are you on? You're either on his side or you're not. There is a response that is demanded. And, and, and we can sit here in verses 16 through 20 and we can go, wait, wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why, why is this I'm going 
going to them an issue in the fall. In Jerusalem in the day of the rabbi, you wanted to be a rabbi. You went to the rabbi and said, I want to learn what you know. I want to sit at your feet. What do we see Jesus doing in the gospel of Mark first day? He is out saying, I want you. Come follow me. That's going to be in trouble. And I would submit to you this day that if we are serious about being on the call of mission as Jesus was, it's going to get us probably in trouble. It's going to get us in trouble with the similar people that Jesus got in trouble with. Because sometimes we think people, we, people need to get their act together in order to come to Christ. Jesus went out and said, come follow me. Repent and believe there's an aspect of changing life and repentance is needed. It means that life may not be awful. You may not be terrible, but you aren't living as if Jesus is king. And to live as Jesus is king means we must be transformed. All of life. The call of the gospel transforms all of life. This call was a, a mark for Peter and Andrew and James and John that life was no longer the same. And think about it. They were fishermen. They understood this. When you catch a fish, does that, does that just make that fish's life just normal again? You know, where, where's Pastor Ken? He's, he's at home. I know the weather isn't kind to him. But, but, but you know, when you fish and you bring that fish out of the water... Uh, that has changed its life. Right? It, that fish can't go on as if it's the same when it's out of the water. And that's what Jesus is calling us. He's transformed all of life. That's our hope for our world. Is the call of the gospel yet today. But you and I must go out and issue that call. How do we do that? For one, we've got to listen we got to be there. And yes, we need to speak, speak the truth. Jesus calls you to a different life. And maybe that's the words we need to use. A different life. Not a better life. Because you know what? We don't add Jesus and really think we're responding to the gospel. <laughs> To add something is the sense of that we whatever we have is already good enough and we just need like, you know, salt and pepper on our, our food, you know? Or, or we need, uh, you know, the cherry on the ice cream, but we still got the ice cream. Jesus says, I got a whole different flavor for you. And isn't that the love for you and I? Isn't that what they, the first four disciples had to figure out? Where are they going to trust this God? who proclaims he is the new king in town. That life with him is different and that a wholesale change happens. I'm reminded of the time uh, when in, in youth ministry, and I, I don't do this to you, Katie, but don't forget you, you know, uh, you know when, when we would have a pancake breakfast, and I tried to switch out the imitation uh, syrup uh, with real maple syrup. You want to know what happened? They didn't like it. And I'm on. Like, this is the 
you're like, what's wrong with him? Well, you know, who knows? Who does? But how many times in life that Jesus calls us to something we're like, oh, I don't want that. Just, I'll go ahead and keep what I have here. Jesus is like, no. No. What I have is so much different and better that it will satisfy you. Like, I'm okay. I'm content here. The early church never got there. They were, have us be bold. And, or even stranger, they didn't just say, pray, have us be bold, but they would go away from their flockings and they're like, all right, I can rejoice that I'm like Jesus. I was counted worthy of being persecuted. And you want to go, Peter, Paul, what is wrong with you? They got the issue of the call that transformed all of life. And the nation of Israel should have understood this because it was a call of God that instituted the nation thousands of years prior. When in Genesis 12, and if you do the devotions, you'll, you'll get those. You know, you'll see it. Genesis 12, where God calls to Abram, he says, I'm asking you to leave your family, leave your nation. Go to a place where I am calling you. And I will give you the grace. And that's the same call today. In fact, as some scholars and writers that I read this week says, that is what's going on here. Jesus is calling people not to a way of life, but to himself. Only God has ever done that. It's same. God is calling you. God is calling you to follow him. And sometimes we want to go, and there's a point uh, where, where it is true that we need to count the cost, but sometimes Jesus says, just, just follow me. You don't have to get it all right. I mean, the disciples in Mark, they're not portrayed as people who got it right. I mean, Peter here, we'll get to it later, but Peter here is one of the first, and Peter later says, you are the Messiah, the Christ, and then right after that, Peter gets ahead of Jesus, and Jesus says, get behind me, but he doesn't call him Peter. What does he call him, if you know the story? What is it? Satan. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. Satan. Peter, one of the disciples, the first one that left his steps right away, but he didn't always get it, and we need to have grace to ourselves and those who follow Jesus and issue the call again and again that the gospel can transform your life. Jesus calls you to himself and calls us to be on mission with him. You'll read in the annual report many great things. I mean, really cool things that have happened, and I don't have uh, space really to tell you all the things that have happened. And it would be really easy and really nice for us as a church just to be content with that. But you probably know me by now, I'm very rarely content with how things are. Not because I think things are bad. Far from it. But I, I don't want us to lose sight of the mission. The mission, the call of the church, is not for those who are already sitting in our places, whether you're sitting online or in place. 
It's for those who get to hear the gospel. He said, well, I, I, I think a lot of people know. And I'm going to just tell you that's not true. This day, I don't have hard facts on this, but I would venture to guess that this day, for every one person in here, Jeff, how many people are here? Did you count? About 51. For, okay, so 51 here, we have another 54 plus 11, 65. So let's just round it up, knowing that all these people are, they may be multiple. 70 people live with us right now. There are 140 people who are not in a church. Okay? 140 in our community. Do we not have what we yeah, Well, all of them respond to the call, no. But are we willing to chance it? I believe in God's sovereignty. I believe we've got to pray for those who have yet to hear of Jesus and respond to Jesus, but we also have the responsibility to go out and issue the call, follow Jesus. Life will be different. Will it be better? Some days. And some days not quite. One out of every two people or more aren't in a church on a Sunday morning. They're not upset with the church for the overwhelming majority. Are there some? Yes. Will you humble yourself to listen to their story? But some of them just don't even think of the church. I'm fond of saying. You know, many people in our world uh, think of us uh, just the same way that I think of the uh, Jewish synagogue in Springfield on Saturday. I don't. Do I have anything against them? No. I just don't think of them. What are we going to do to help people think? And that may be that what we have to start doing is just remind people, hey, I go to church. And some of them may go look at you and go, you do? Don't take it too personal. Okay? But do people even know you go to church? And then go, hey, why don't you join me at church? And they go, well, I might not wear the right things. As I told someone recently, I don't care if you're wearing shorts in the middle of winter. If you're not my kid and you're at church, that's great. If you're my kid, get your pants on. You know, I don't care if you're wearing sweatpants. I'd rather you be here at church with God's people than not. We have a whole generation of people who don't know church. They're not upset with the church. They don't even know us. Why do you, well, well, this is why youth ministry and children's ministry is important. How many teens aren't connected to a group, period? We have that opportunity. Will you do your part to be on mission? We're going to be Jesus will continue to issue that call. And some will get it, and some will not. But I'm not worried about them today. I'm worried about us. Oh, well, 
Christ Jesus calling you? Jesus is calling, as the old man says. Father God, 